I begin by reading today, <clears throat> I guess in some ways, my, in the top hundred of my favorite poems, uh, realizing that I don't think there are any bad poems, just some better than others. Because anybody who's taken the effort to write a poem, it's worthy. I mean, it's a good poem. It may not be a great poem, but it's a good poem. It's your poem. It's taking something from within and placing it without and looking at it. And so there are really no bad poems. Now, I think there are some people who claim to have great poems that are just good poems. <laughs> and this is, a, this is a, a very good poem. It's one of the most popular poems in contemporary American poetry. If you haven't ever heard of the author or of the poem that's not any scandal to you because you know a lot of things I've never heard of. You know, whatever you're interested in that I'm not, you know more about than I do. I'm just interested in this. Authorities tend to perpetuate themselves by coming up with esoteric things that nobody else knows and makes them look like they know more than other people. I know a very lot about very little. <clears throat> and this is one of the things I know about. And so if, if somebody ever says to you, as everybody knows, they're lying. <laughs> As everybody knows, this is one of the... The poet is William Carlos Williams. Many of you have heard of him. And the poem is entitled The Red Wheelbarrow. So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater beside the white chickens. It's one of the best-known contemporary American poems. Now, like other forms of art, we are entitled to our own opinions about its worth and value. It's a very good poem. Now, the reason it's good is maybe because it speaks about things as they are first. Now, I read a, what was, I think, literally a doctoral thesis on this poem in which The dependency was cosmic. So much depends. that We have a cosmic setup here about the dependency of everything upon. And then we have the color red and the wheel, and we do two chapters on red and wheel. A glaze with the rain, and we had a wonderful exposition of the elements in this doctoral thesis. The chickens, we went into the microbiology, wound up with sperm and ovum. But you know, I think what William Carlos meant was that he was looking out of his window and he saw a red wheelbarrow glazed with rain beside the white chickens. I think he... In defense of Dr. Williams, I'm not sure he saw at that moment the cosmic implications or the sperm and ovum of the chicken. <laughs> I think the why it's a very good poem is because he saw a red wheelbarrow glazed with rain beside the white chicken.
Now we're beginning an Advent season and the <clears throat> Annunciation will come to us through our Christian calendar and through our liturgy and lectionary. <clears throat> that a young virgin will be visited by the angel Gabriel. She will be inseminated by the Holy Spirit. And God will be born. We have to see things as they are before we can see them as they aren't. Human beings do, I believe, because of the Imago Dei, the image of God within us, we do have the ability to see with our sight and with our insight. But we can't have one without the other. We have to see both at the same time, and sometimes it means just reflecting on one or the other in order to see both. You have to start somewhere. And my beginning of Advent this year is to say, The angel Gabriel appeared to a young woman. The Holy Spirit inseminated her with himself, and she birthed God. Maybe if we just see it as it is, then we can see what is not seen with our own insight. Now, what we tend to do, I think, what I tend to do, and that which is most personal tends to be most universal, what I tend to do is to only look at one side, and that sort of depends on the side that is least threatening to me. We have the ability of sight and insight as human beings, and I tend to see things as they aren't, acting like they are, or see things as... Uh, they aren't, or I see things as they are and acting like they aren't that way. Human maturity depends on being able to see both sides at the same time, see both. But you've generally got to start somewhere. So much depends upon that. Now let's begin at the beginning. As a matter of fact, this series will be primarily spoken through the voices of Eve and Mary. Eve, if you remember, as the matrix of our birth, a matriarchal voice, was called by I'm going to use the name Lucifer because the word Lucifer, which is for most of us in our vocabulary a synonym for the devil or Satan or the evil one, <coughs> but the word Lucifer means light bearer. Eve, <coughs> Eve's voice, the archetypal voice of the matrix, Within each of us, Eve's voice is our voice, 
Lucifer comes to Eve and says, do you want to just see one side or do you want to see both sides? Now, if we move forward to our experience of our own lives and of life in general and of the Hebrew Christian evolution of consciousness about things, life, realities, mysteries, we have concluded that we have free will as a gift from God. With just a little logic, we conclude that free will means that we are free to make choices. Stay with me, it's not difficult. And if we're free to make choices, then it means we have to have two things from which to choose. And so, as long as we were in the garden, there was only one side, no choice. It's like the fetus in the womb. plugged into a system that meets all needs, but raises no questions and goes nowhere. Now, I'm not sure I'm representing Orthodox Christianity literally by introducing the possibility that evil appears on the scene as gift, <clears throat> but it does have some logical connotation to assume that the choice is a gift. And so the light bearer, Lucifer, takes on the difficult job of saying to a human being, in this case most appropriately the feminine, do you want to see both sides? God said it is good, it is very good, and they were in the garden and they knew the good. God did a most godlike thing. God implanted possibility in human beings to be more than anything else in creation, more than the plants or the animals. Gave them the possibility. The possibility then dwelt, and if it's possible, human beings will do. And so Lucifer becomes a symbol for the light coming on that exposes the darkness. And so Eve our mother, who dwells within us, had her eyes opened. <clears throat> she was given a choice. Now the choice was, in simple terms, do you want to obey God? Remember God said, you're humans, I'm God, I'm God, you're not. The symbol of the knowledge of the source of good and evil are mine. Lucifer, the light bearer, you have to have the light in order to get the dark. The light bearer comes and says, you want to know? You want to know both sides? 
Now, who's going to take the risk to go against the conformity of the garden? It's the female. Last year I did a series of lectures on the genealogy in the gospel. And it's got some women in it, interestingly enough. Remember the old line, God gave human beings two primary responsibilities, procreation and dominion. So the women procreated, the men dominated. <laughs> the women in the genealogy were those who always turned the plot, but they were interesting people. They were prostitutes, liars, deceivers. They were wily. And if it hadn't been for their ability to take the risk and say yes, the plot would never have moved. The feminine voice is the yes voice. The masculine voice is the no voice. We need both. But we need to understand the difference, and it's a difference that makes a difference. There are many distinctions that don't make any difference. This one does. The feminine voice says yes. The problem with that is that the feminine voice doesn't know when to say no. The masculine voice says no, but the masculine voice doesn't know when to say yes. They need one another. Thank you, dear. Children throwing rocks at windows. There's a sound of both joy and terror. <laughs> and so the choice is given to the feminine voice. Do you want to see both sides? You want to know what God knows? Lucifer, who brings the light, exposes the darkness. And that is, to have knowledge is costly. There are happy pagans, unhappy knowers. Awareness is costly. If you want to know both sides, then you can never only know one side. How easy it would be for us to know who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. What's right and what's wrong. To see only one side. In the marriage office, you know, we say, for better, for worse. Most people repeat, for better or worse. 
We want just one side. There's something in us that is immature that wants to stay in the womb or the garden and say, I only want no choice. I want to just follow the steps on the floor. The bringer of the light says, don't you want to dance? No, I'll just follow the steps on the floor. But you will never find the joy and the freedom and the grace of your own freedom. Don't you want to know where you're going and where you've come from? No, I will just stay here. The known is so much better than the unknown. But I will light your way, but you will create darkness. And so the dialogue goes on in Genesis and in us as we move. Do you want to see things as they are or as they are not? Do you want a choice? Do you want to see both? Some have blamed Eve out of ignorant projection, and some have thanked God for Eve. Choice is yours. If it hadn't been for Eve, we'd still be in the garden. If it hadn't been for Eve, we'd still be in the garden. And Mary, we'll talk some more about them. What would you say if an angel came to you and said, I want to inseminate you with the Holy Spirit? What would your mother and daddy think? <laughs> I mean, good girls don't. What if you showed up pregnant at your own wedding in those days? What if you went against convention because of the call of God? Looking at things one way, that was the voice of the devil. beguile a young woman to become pregnant by God that is the voice of evil don't no the Adam voice says no no risk no creativity thank God God had the sense to go to the feminine both times to ask the question I think it's important probably for an immature adolescent ego to just say no. But if you want to grow and become and see both sides, there's got to be something in you that's willing to just say yes.
Eve said it. Mary said it. Now, I admit by my own experience, and I put before you in my masculine voice, there are times that you must say no. It's interesting to me in the history of our religious journey, though, the people who have said yes kept us alive. I think of Eve and Mary this day as we begin our Advent journey. Are they satisfied to just see things as they are? Or do they want to know things that are not yet? This, friends and neighbors, men and women, is the human situation. Now, we rehearse it in so many different ways, but we are rehearsing it again in Advent when we ask the question, what's going on here? In one sense, all that's going on is a young maiden girl, ethnic origin Jewish, probably about 14, beguiled by someone. Some would say the devil and others say God. The choice is yours. See things as they are. She just said yes. And yet, at the same time, it has cosmic proportions. Now, I want to go back for a moment to this poem and let you hear it again. Because unless you see things as they are, you cannot see things as they are not yet. Everything has its two sides. So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater beside the white chicken. I think before we get any insight, we have to see the sight, see what he saw. So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater beside the white chickens. So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater beside the white chicken. And the angel Gabriel came to Mary. Now, something or many things happen to you in which you'll only look at one side. This is the way we are. This is our temptation to look at one side. And yet, our mothers have told us it's okay to look at both. It's okay to have sight and insight. If you want to remain less than human, then see things as they aren't or see things as they are, but don't look at things as they might 
be, but you have to start somewhere. And the more we look at this red wheelbarrow, so much depends upon it, so much depends upon a red wheelbarrow, and the more we look at this red wheelbarrow, the more we see. I have been for, consciously, for over 40 years, looking at the story of Mary. The more I look at it, the more I see. So much depends on looking. So much depends upon looking. If you want insight, you have to look and see things as they are, yes. And then to see things as they have never been before. Think with me for the next few weeks about Eve and Mary saying yes. Against the convention of the limited place they were in. Let's think about that for a few weeks, about how scary that is, about how threatening that is, and how nervous and anxious that makes us. Let's have an anxious advent. You know, I read where the older you get, the less anxious you become, but the more depressed you become because you don't have any anxiety in your life. <laughs> I want it both ways. I want to be both anxious and depressed. <laughs> Let's think about the scary nature of Eve and Mary just saying yes. What does that imply for you? What are the implications? What does that signify? What's indicative? What does it indicate? Think about it. Now, there are so many incredible gifts given to us if we'll just look. I mean, there is a heaven that lies about us wherein we walk through a call to a clear vision. You better start looking at these things because they're right in front of us. They may be as near as your body. Have you ever looked at the artwork available to you in your body? I mean, it's a magnificent creation we're so afraid of. I mean, there are a variety of sizes, colors, shapes. Have you ever looked? We tend not to. Well, what about your house? Have you ever just looked at your house, your space, your colors, the configuration, sacred space, a secret place? The resting place, eating place, the significant things you do in your life are done in that space. Go look at the pictures on your walls. What about your office, your car? So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rain beside the white chicken. You see things as they are, because unless you do, you can't see things as they are not. I came home from work one day, <clears throat> anxious and depressed. Anxious because I couldn't be God and depressed about the fact that I wasn't God. 
And I had a, on my desk at home a little piece of paper. It was one of those that an advertiser had sent to your house that you put by your phone and tear off and put messages on. It was in the fall, in the busy time. It was probably raising money for the Jones building. And I went to my desk, kind of my sacred space. And on my desk, someone, it looked to me, had left just a small message with one of those little pads for notes torn in two, stuck on my desk. And it had drawn from the summer before an event that was very meaningful to the author of this little note, and it was just a a little sailboat with a little man in it and a wavy line of blue. Of blues and greens and whites. And it said, Dad love Jarrett. It's my little boy. There it is. on my desk. So much depends upon a green sail, blue water, against a background of white from a little boy. That's all there is. And so much more. Amen.